Welcome to Trauma-Informed Parenting, where you can find information about adoption, foster care, parenting a child with a capital letter syndrome, such as ADD, ADHD, FASD, SPD, on the spectrum, etc., and trauma-informed parenting, all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker, but more important than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos with trauma histories and capital letter syndromes. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for Trauma-Informed Parenting, a Coffee Break Podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to this episode of Trauma-Informed Parenting. Today, I'm going to talk about five habits every trauma-informed parent needs in their life. Now, let me just have a little disclaimer right now. I am going to share five habits that I have learned over my many, many years of parenting kids with trauma histories and capital letter syndromes and having a trauma history and capital letter syndrome myself. And when I say that, that doesn't mean that I perform all of these habits perfectly or on a regular basis, sometimes I slip up. In fact, this has been something in my life recently that I've had to go back to those basics and really look at the habits I'm practicing and put them through that lens of, are these helping me or hurting me? Am I doing what I say I know I need to do? So just let me add that little disclaimer at the beginning. So I'm recording this episode for you just as much as I am recording it for myself to remind myself of these things. So number one, which will be no surprise to anyone, it shouldn't be, is practice self-care. Now what might be a surprise is the self-care that I am speaking of is not necessarily women going to get their nails done or going to the spa or whatever those things that we see on social media all the time getting your hair done that is to me that to me that's torture sorry hairdresser person but anyway so practice self-care it it includes so many things and i will not be able to go over all of them And you have to figure out what works best for you, honestly. But number one is making sense of and peace with your past. So if you have had trauma in your lifetime, not just your childhood, and something that is still triggering you, and maybe like I've said on the podcast before, you're like in a trigger war with your child because you're triggered, they're triggered, or they're triggered, and then you're triggered because there are some things that you just haven't worked through. Now, do I think that we can work through everything so we're perfect parents? No, not on this earth. But we can be more present with our kids 
we can be more compassionate, we can meet their needs better if we make sense of and peace with our past. And it's a process, it's a lifelong process, honestly. So self-care may include journaling or and or probably both going to therapy, a counselor or a life coach, or even joining a support group where you can talk about those things that you need to talk about. You can share your story with an empathetic listener, and then you can begin to make sense and peace with it. And you can begin to reframe your beliefs about yourself, about the world, about why people do things. You know, I've shared this before with my eldest daughter when she was little. I didn't know, especially when she was a baby, because you just don't know these things. I didn't know that she was on the spectrum then. And I honestly felt like, especially during her toddler years, that she was doing things to annoy me on purpose. So those are the sorts of beliefs that we need to reframe. And that's a kind of self-care that is going to bring us to be more present with our kids and not to be so harried, hurried, stressed, anxious, frustrated, worried. So, and, and like I said, this is there's so much more to self-care than just getting your nails done or whatever. And I know I keep referring to that, but there's more to it. And maybe that's not even for me getting, I don't like to get my nails done. So that to me, that is not self-care. To me, self-care is journaling or reading a book. And here's another important one is move. Move and exercise, which are two different things because there's something called NEAT, which is non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And that is just moving around, not a formal exercise where you're working out for 20 minutes or you're lifting weights or you're doing a HIIT workout. Moving is so important for us during the day, especially if we are raising a child with a capital letter syndrome or a trauma history, or we have one ourselves, because here's the thing about our bodies. They are designed to move. And our lymph nodes have no drainage system. And that's where all the toxins can get stored. And we can begin to feel very lethargic, sluggish. And if we're already overwhelmed with parenting and feeling anxious, we can, I think of it as like we just begin to fold ourselves up, literally, where our shoulders tense, our arms tense, our necks tense. Next thing you know, we have a headache and we're drinking another cup of coffee, raising my hand here, or swigging another quart of water because we're like, something's off, something's off. Well, sometimes we just need to get up and move. And I found that very, it, it was very common for me to get into that position because I, when I was homeschooling, and if I would be helping one kiddo at the table who was frustrated, then move to another kiddo in another room. And before I knew it, I was feeling just very tense in my muscles and my body and having a headache because I needed to get up and straighten up 
and move and get rid of that worry hunch just by walking around the room a little bit. So that NEAT is very important and it doesn't mean you have to go outside and run a marathon because you feel tense. Now there are times for you to do that exercise. I think that's equally important, but I think it's even more important to be moving throughout the day. One of the practices that I picked up when my kids were very little and I couldn't go for that run because they were too little to stay on their own and I wasn't paying, I couldn't pay a babysitter so I could go run for half an hour, was to take them all outside, push the kiddos on the swing, watch them go down the slide and play in the sandbox. And I would literally just walk around the swing set or do a lap around the, the exterior of the house. Or when my kids got older, and I've mentioned this before, I started rollerblading with them in the driveway or riding my bike with them, or walking with them. So whatever, whatever works for you, that is self-care. You can practice self-care with your kids. They don't have to be somewhere else. Okay, and also, you know, one of my favorites is kayaking, swimming is another one, hiking. So you do need to do a regular form of exercise as well as your NEAT because it's important for your brain, your body, your muscles. You need all of those things. You need to be moving. So it's, it's so easy to find an exercise program anymore. And you do it at the time of day it fits for you. There's all kinds of information out there about you have to do it first thing in the morning, or you have to do it at this time, or you have to do it fasted, or you have... You have to do it when it works for you. There was a season in my life where I would do my scheduled exercise, my cardio or whatever at 10 o'clock at night because that's when all the kids were finally in bed and it was quiet and I was very tempted not to do anything at all, but that was the time that I had to exercise. And a friend of mine who was staying with me for um, an extended period of time, she was like, I cannot believe you exercise at 10 at night. But that's when I could. That's when it fit me. That's when it fit my lifestyle. So that's a form of self-care. Move and exercise. Also, nutrition. First of all, eat food. I've talked to so many moms who, you know, they don't eat food. They get up in the morning. They drink their coffee. They're taking care of their kids. Maybe they're homeschooling. Maybe they're getting them ready for school and they have their other activities during the day and by one or two o'clock they're they're famished and anxious and frustrated and all of those things and their cortisol levels are up and they're grabbing anything so eat food you know we recommend that whenever you have a child with a capital letter syndrome or a trauma history that you are making sure that they eat or drink something every couple of hours because they do not remember to do those things. So when you are feeding your kids, feed yourself too. I know it sounds so simple, but honestly, that's what we moms struggle with. We do. In fact, before I recorded this, started recording, I was going over my notes and everything. And I, you know, I've been up for like three or four hours and 
And I realized, oh my gosh, I didn't even make my smoothie yet. So I stopped and, and made my smoothie before I started recording and I'm drinking it while I'm recording. But we moms forget and dads forget, you know, we forget to eat. So eat food, get some good fats, fruits and veggies, protein, complex carbs. And if you haven't yet, listen to the podcast with Amber Stewart, where she talks about nutrition, because it is so helpful. Because I'm not, I don't have the time to get into all of that. And she gets into it a lot deeper than I could anyway. Here's something really important to realize. And I say this in the mom habits course that I offer. Your children will eventually treat themselves the way that you treat yourself. They are watching you. They are watching you. And I can say for a fact that they will because when I'm talking about you can practice self-care with your kids, when my kids got old enough to go on a regular bike ride or walk further than the front yard and they began walking with me and biking with me and we were rollerblading, my grown children practice that now. They're still walking, they're still working out, they're still making sure that they take care of themselves. And we talk about nutrition, we talk about, and we're kind of a a different kind of family because we talk about trauma all the time and how do you do this and why do you do this? So keep that in mind, how you're treating yourself now. Are you exercising? Are you eating nutritious food? Are you getting enough rest? Are you going to therapy if you need it or getting a life coach or a support group? That kind of self-care is the really important part of self-care. And I got this from Harvard, what walking does. So if you are, you know, like, I don't want to do HIIT training. I don't want to run a marathon. I don't want to... Walking is actually the best exercise. It lowers your cortisol levels, so it keeps that anxiety down. And it also boosts your immune system, eases joint pain, reduces the risk of breast cancer, and it calms that sweet tooth. So if you're one of those moms that's drinking coffee in the morning and then by one or two o'clock in the morning and you're calling it intermittent fasting, And you're like, I'm intermittent fasting, but by two o'clock in the afternoon, you're grabbing a donut. I'm sorry, but that is just not good. That is not really going to help your health, no matter what you call it. Okay, moving on. So I make sure I have time. Hopefully I have time to get through all five of these. I have five of them. Number two, boundaries. Practice the habit of having boundaries for yourself and for your children. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I was writing about this because this is something that I need to get back to these basics again in my own life. So I'm saying this for myself as much as I'm saying it for you. But when you practice this, it is so helpful. I'm going to tell you, this is one that I really struggle with, is resist the urge to volunteer for something new on a good day. 
let's say your kids are regulating, you got all of the meals on the table, you have your meal plan, you're eating, you're exercising, you're feeling great today, the kids are, you know, they're coping well, and you've been able to help them co-regulate today, and you're like, I'm winning this. And then you get that text or phone call or email, hey, would you like to do this or serve on this, this committee or volunteer for this at church? And you're like, yeah, I'm rocking this. You know, I'm going to do it. Don't. And I'm not saying don't ever volunteer for anything. What I'm saying is you need to, to check your baseline. You know, if you have, you know, if there's 31 or 30 days in a month and you're rocking it, only half of the time or a quarter of the time, which is great. I mean, that's great. You don't want to put more pressure on yourself and your family. So have that boundary up of maybe you have a system that you put requests through. Somebody calls or texts and says, will you help with this? Even if it's, will you make cookies for this? Say, um, let me get back to you tomorrow. And if they pressure you, say, then just no, I just, I just can't. And I've said this before on the podcast, like one of my boundaries is I don't go to church on Sunday evenings. I go on Sunday morning, but Sunday evenings is just, it just sends, that's just too much for me to recover from mentally and emotionally. And if you have a capital letter syndrome, you understand that. And so think about your kids. So reduce your community activity so that you can feel good. We get so used to living on the edge of, I can do this one more thing and I'll crash tomorrow or I'll crash the next day and it'll be okay. No, we don't need to live in that zone of anxiety and frustration. It's okay for you to put your boundaries up so wide that you're like, I want to live within this. I'm going to feel good for more than one hour a day. I want to stat, you want to stretch those positive mood states for yourself and for your children so that you can thrive as a family. And do not be shamed or guilted into volunteering for something just because everybody else is doing it. Therefore, you should do it too. No, your family is important. And being able to live in the most peaceful environment that you can create within your family to meet the needs of your children and yourself is more important than baking cookies or working in the nursery, or serving on the PTA, or the school board, or whatever that is. So don't make or expect your kiddos. Let's move to them too. Boundaries for them. Do everything every other child is doing. Just don't do it. Just because every other child in your community, or school, or neighborhood, or church, is playing sports or active in the local theater or doing all of these other extracurricular activities, your child doesn't need to do it. What you need to measure 
before you decide whether you want your children to do that is how long does it take them to recover from those? How long, how many days after that are they still in recovery mode that they can't function, they have brain fog, they need more rest, they need more sleep, and for yourself too. How long does it take you to recover from those things? Because you can't parent well if you have so many activities outside of the home that you can't be a pleasant person at home because your children are going to remember that. You know, the old adage I say often is 10 years from now, is it going to matter? 10 years from now, is it going to matter that your kids played soccer, softball, swam on the swim team? And I'm naming some things that my kids do did, but for different seasons, because sometimes we sat them out. Is it going to matter 10 years from now? Well, it will matter 10 years from now if your family is constantly stressed from running from one activity to the next activity to the next activity and you don't have time to recover and you don't have a peaceful home and you're not enjoying one another's company and you're not able to co-regulate with your child because they've just gone over the edge. Their stress bucket is full. Yes. So eliminate activities or outings that are too difficult to recover from or hamper or tamper with what you must do on a daily basis. And I added that point because as a homeschooling mom, sometimes, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, Monday was like hangover, (laughs) hangover Monday because of too much activity on the weekend and too many responsibilities at church. And so the must do for me was I was educating my children. And if I lost a whole day of school because of weekend activities, those were the things that I must do. And those were being hampered with and tampered with. I had to reduce the activity on the weekend. Now, some activities that happen on the weekends were not every weekend. And honestly, like if you had swim meets or things like that, and you've already committed to swimming and you're doing it regularly, there are going to be some weekends that will take longer to recover from if there's a tournament or something like that. So you get the point, but not on a regular basis, not every weekend, like from Friday night, Friday afternoon when school is finished, we're going to run ourselves ragged until Sunday night and eat all the sweets and eat all the junk and do all the things. And then Monday morning, boom, hangover. Okay, moving on. Number three, here's another habit. Spiritual practices that fit you and your family. Now, when I say that, I have to be very careful. I am going to tell you, I've said this before, your kids do not have to do children's church. And You do not have to go to the church that you've been going to for the past 10 years just because you have if it does not fit you and your family. I have been listening to On the Spectrum by Daniel Bowman Jr. Ann Croker, who is a writing coach. She recommended it on her Instagram and I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to that. And he has a whole chapter on, he speaks about community and church. And how often, which I've said before, like 
Church can be very overstimulating for kids who are on the spectrum, have a capital letter syndrome, or who have a trauma history. So while you think, while they're learning the Bible and they're reciting these verses and they're, you know, watching the puppet shows or whatever, they may actually not be learning anything. In fact, I've had that history with my kids where they were not learning anything. They were too stimulated by the noise, the lights, the activity, that it really was making them have a meltdown later because it was too much. Now, let me say this. I have to be very careful with this because people use the Bible verse, you know, do not forsake the fellowship, you know, don't forsake it. Well, I'm not recommending that you forsake fellowship with other Christians or that you forsake going to church. But I am saying that if you know that you have had a very taxing week with your kiddos and they just need a break and you need a break, you don't have to go to church. You don't have to. And you might want to look into finding a church that has more of a rhythm, more of a set schedule, a quiet, maybe singing a few hymns, and you know exactly what's going to happen, and your children know exactly what's going to happen. Now, I grew up in the Catholic Church, and I sometimes accidentally genuflect and do the cross because it's so ingrained in me. But that was one of the comforting things about the Catholic Church was I knew exactly what was going to happen, when the gospel was going to be read, when you kneel, when you stand up. Now, some people don't like that, and that's okay. What I'm saying is find something that works for you and your children, and I promise you, God is not judging you for deciding to go to a church that meets the needs of your children and you. That's not the way God works. God is looking at your heart. Do you want to serve him? Do you want to do the best for your family? So I know that that one is a difficult one for people to process because it was a difficult one for me to process. And I actually felt like for a long time, I was requiring my children to participate in things that were hampering and tampering with their sense of security and peace and felt safety. And I'm sorry that I did that to them because of the pressure of the community around me and the pressure of that particular church body. So I'm not calling anybody out but myself right now. Okay. That's a tough one. It really is. All right, number, oh my goodness, number four, schedules. Schedules. This is another habit that we trauma-informed parents need to have is a schedule. And I know that some people bulk it like, I'm not going to be that restricted. I'm like a really, I'm a free spirit. But kids with trauma histories and capital letter syndromes need schedule. It makes them feel safe. They need predictability. They need to know what's happening next. 
And if you are one of those people that needs to be more flexible and more free-spirited, one of the things that I did for homeschooling was create this giant, oh, they have these giant posty notes that you can get. And then I use smaller posty notes to make our daily schedule so that I can move things around. And so that the kids could look at the schedule and know this is what's going on today. And then the next day when they looked at the schedule, if I needed to move something, then I moved it. Now, I can't tell you exactly what schedule to use. You need to find something that works for you. But it needs to be predictable for these kiddos. It need, because it will make your life more peaceful even when the... When you have interruptions to your schedule, you're, you're the boss. The schedule doesn't work for you. I mean, you don't work for the schedule. I got that backwards. I was like, wait, that didn't sound right. Think of it this way. Like if you are a farmer and you have a hoe and you need to go out in the garden and work with that hoe, does that hoe work for you or do you work for it? It works for you. And so if you decide, hey, I don't need that hoe today, I'm going to be raking. Then you put the hoe away and you use the rake. You see what I mean? It's going to work for you. And you can move it around. You can rearrange it. Like I said, I can't tell you what schedule to use. You might need a picture schedule. You might need a written schedule. You might need a planner or like me, I'm going to have all of those. I have to have all of those above. Those work for me. So before I run out of time, I know I didn't spend a lot of time on schedules, but that's something you have to find that works for your family. I'm going to go on to number five, even if I go over a few minutes today, because this one is extremely important. Parents have an interest outside of your child. I know that raising a child with a trauma history or a capital letter syndrome can be all-consuming. We're exhausted, overworked, we suffer from compassion fatigue, we're trying to do it all. But it is super important that you invest in a purpose or interest outside of your child. Now why? Number one, your child is watching you. They're watching you. Your child, number two, your child is going to grow up. Number three, your child will eventually do for themselves what you do for yourself. Or they will treat themselves the way that you treat yourself now because they are watching you. And here's my suggestion. If you are deep in the trenches of, you know, you've adopted children, you're fostering children, or you just got diagnosis for a child with a capital letter syndrome and you're trying to figure it all out, Start something that you need yourself. It can be connected to what you're doing with your child. For example, I started years ago, I started an adoption support group because I needed one. I started a homeschool group because I needed one. And at the same time, I was helping myself and my children. I was helping others. And it was making me feel like I had this other purpose outside of my children and I had other work to do you, you know whether it was making muffins for the support group preparing a little 
lesson that we went over and then we discussed and then everybody got to talk and I got to talk. So start something that you need yourself. And I, I also started doing a mom's coffee at my house. And, and then when my daughters got older and they were marrying and having children, they started coming to those and we would take turns doing a topic, inviting all these young moms who would have coffee and chocolate or something, you know, muffins. And um, we'd start with a topic and then everybody else would just start talking. It's like you didn't have to just grease the wheels a little bit and then everybody's sharing, they're feeling better, they're being encouraged, they're sharing their struggles and we're all like, oh my gosh, me too. I'm going through that too. So, and then my children who I was asking them to help me, hey, will you, the kids that were still at home, you guys help me unload the dishwasher before people get here or help me make the muffins. Do I get to eat one? Yes, you get to eat one. You know, those kinds of things. But then they were participating in that purpose. And then they were watching. They were watching like, oh, mom is doing something to help others or she is doing something that people are growing or appreciating. Maybe they probably couldn't put it into those words especially as children, but they're watching. So that is my suggestion. If you know, like you feel like, wait, I'm too buried. I cannot do anything. With technology today, you can even start a support group online. It doesn't have to be in person. In fact, when we started doing those coffees after a couple years, we started broadcasting them onto Facebook Live so that the moms who couldn't come could at least watch and participate in and comment on. So, so there's, there's that too. You can do it with technology. Um, and then move on from there. Obviously, I'm an author, so I started writing while my kids were at home, and I'm still writing books now. So find something that you can begin to grow and feed into, even if it's just 15 minutes a day now. You know, when your kids go to bed, it's so tempting just to be like, I am done. I am just going to sit here and I'm going to watch TV and or I'm just going to stare at the wall because I can't move. You would be surprised at how invigorating it is to actually start pursuing something else in your personal interest, whether it's painting or journaling or taking a class, something where you are growing yourself and you're feeding yourself and you're having a creative outlet for yourself. So think about those things. So let me go over really quick, even though I said I was going to probably go over a few minutes. I did. It's okay. You'll live. You didn't want to listen to the end of this. You didn't have to. You could stop at any time. All right. So these are five habits that trauma-informed parents need to have. Number one, practice self-care. Number two, boundaries for you and for your children. Number three... I wrote everything on paper today, so it's like 
I usually do it, type it up on the computer and then look at my iPad while I'm recording, but this time it's paper. That's why you hear shuffling. Number three, spiritual practices that fit you and your family. Number four, schedules. Schedules work for you. They are a tool. They make kiddos with trauma histories and capital letter syndromes feel safe and secure. And number five, parents have an interest outside of your child. So thanks for joining me today and I will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Trauma-Informed Parenting. Make sure you subscribe on TraumaInformedParenting.com to receive a free resource and receive a newsletter plus updates when books or new courses are released. Also, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, or Spotify and leave a review so other listeners can find trauma-informed parenting and know the value of the show. You're welcome to send me an email to contact at traumainformedparenting.com.